Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadeen. Today is Thursday, February 1st. Coming up, we'll hear why potholes have been so bad this year in Kansas City. Plus, the looming two-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine is personal for some Kansans. As a physician, who my whole goal is to save life, make life better. It's just hard to see people do that to each other, especially, you know, my, what I consider countrymen. We'll hear how a Wichita surgeon is helping wounded soldiers in Ukraine. But first, some headlines. The Missouri House of Representatives passed a bill yesterday that would let students enroll in public school districts they don't live in. Sarah Kellogg reports. School districts would be able to choose whether to accept non-resident students. They can also set the number of students they would be willing to enroll. However, school districts would not be able to opt out of students leaving their district. The bill does allow schools to restrict the number of outgoing students to 3 percent of the previous school year's enrollment. Representative Maggie Nurnburn, a Democrat from Kansas City, worried how this bill would affect smaller rural school districts. Open enrollment will leave small school rural districts fighting for their lives against larger rural districts that have more resources, and it will lead to district consolidation. The bill now goes to the Senate, where it has died in previous sessions. Kansas lawmakers heard testimony yesterday on a bill that would prevent public universities from asking job candidates about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service has more. Proponents of the legislation say it limits job candidates' freedom of speech to ask whether they support a particular ideology. Opponents say colleges don't ask about ideology, but rather someone's commitment to working with diverse populations at a time when campuses are becoming more diverse. Nathan Madden with the Health Forward Foundation said the bill could make it harder for colleges to hire the best candidates. Most working adults in the U.S. agree that DEI is is a good thing. It's good to have these open conversations. Um, With legislation like this, those conversations can be closed. Lawmakers narrowly failed to pass a similar proposal last year after Democratic Governor Laura Kelly vetoed it. COVID-19 case numbers in Kansas have been low since they spiked while temperatures dropped last year. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports hospital leaders hope they'll stay that way. The University of Kansas Health System says it has just 23 patients with serious cases of covid Last year at this time, it reported 51. Wastewater testing also shows decreased COVID levels right now, although still higher than last summer, according to the CDC. Kelly Rhodes-Stark is the chief medical officer for the health system's Olathe location. I do think that we celebrate what has happened in the communities that we see, but that we also have to continue to educate, particularly about vaccines and masking. Ascension via Christie reports the virus is no longer impacting their staffing levels. We'll be back after this. You say you like Oreos, but have you ever tried a Hydrox cookie? Or maybe it's been a really long time since you've had one? Well, you're in luck. We're having another Hydrox Oreo face-off. 
basically a taste test, at a live podcast event with the People's History of Kansas City. This cookie has Kansas City roots, and we're going to tell you all about it. Join me, Suzanne Hogan, on March 29th at Rochester Brewing and Roasting Company in the Crossroads. Visit kcur.org slash cookies for tickets. Kansas City is no stranger to potholes in the winter. But pothole season came early this year, and now crews are trying to fill hundreds a day. KCUR's Jody Fortino has been reporting on Kansas City's pothole problem. She sat down with Steve Kraske to tell us what the city's road resurfacing plan looks like this year. So pothole season seems to have come early this year. Can you tell us why that is? Well, it has a lot to do with that bitterly cold streak that we all experienced earlier this month. I remember that. And it's thanks to the nicer weather that we're experiencing this week because of how the roads thawed out. So when water gets into these cracks in the street and then freezes and expands, and when that water melts again, that becomes those kind of cracks and potholes that we see in the road. So that whole process of freezing and thawing came earlier this year. I think that's an explanation I've heard before about these things. As climate change increases the cycle then, Jody, of roads freezing and thawing, what can we expect in terms of road conditions in the future? Will we even have roads? (laughs) (laughs) Great question. So like you said, because of climate change, those freezing and thawing cycles are happening both earlier in the winter, like we're seeing, and also more often which creates those conditions that I just talked about, which means more potholes. So that means cities are going to have to learn how to cope with needing to repair roads more often. Mm. And also the funding that comes in turn with having to repave all those roads. So how quickly is the city responding to complaints about road quality? Because even on my drives to work here at KCUR each morning, it's been more than just a little treacherous. Do you have any estimate of how many crews are on the road fixing these issues at any given time? Yeah, so I talked with city manager Brian Platt, and he says they've got 10 crews working 12-hour shifts right now while the weather's warm to start tackling these potholes. And he says they can fill hundreds a day, depending on how large they are, the road conditions. Um, But like you said, there's been 600 requests in this week alone to repair potholes. So that's a lot to catch up on. City manager Brian Platt has told me on UpToDate that the city's main focus is on resurfacing roads, Jody. What does that resurfacing plan look like and how will it impact drivers in the short term when it comes to pothole repairs? Yeah, like you talked to Brian Platt about, you know, rather than putting band-aids on some of these older roads, he said the city is trying to rebuild roads completely so that they can withstand these free thaw cycles that we've been talking about. So he said the city has resurfaced nearly 500 lane miles of roads this fiscal year. But because of that, He says the potholes aren't as widespread across the city as sometimes they are, but they're actually more so in those older roadways that they haven't gotten to yet. So it's those older roads that haven't been repaved yet that are seeing a lot of the potholes. Now, he was on the air saying that, hey, they're really on top of the pothole problem this year. There aren't going to be as many issues. At least that's what I I recall from the conversation. I'm wondering if he's going to regret those comments going (laughs) forward because I've heard a lot of complaints about these things. I told him some of the complaints that I was also hearing. And, you know, one of the things he said is that the city has decades of deferred maintenance to catch up on. And, you know, because of that 500 lane miles of roads they've done, they're hoping to do a lot more and eventually get to a place where the roads are great, but acknowledge they have a lot of work to do. Hmm. You know, does this resurfacing plan and the emphasis on proactive problem solving 
Do they tie into the city's plans to, you know, salt roads and increase snow plows? Yeah, kind of what we were talking about, you know, all goes back to those three, those freeze-thaw cycles. So both the resurfacing and snow removal plan of the city tie into that. So the snow removal will hopefully leave less ice and snow on the roads to freeze in the first place, which will in turn hopefully create less potholes. Okay, in addition to the calls to the city, we've gotten quite a few comments on the KCUR text line about the severity of some of these road conditions and the potholes out there. What are some of the common threads that you're hearing out there? So I'm sure as you've experienced, even I've experienced, it feels like sometimes commuting to work, uh, you know, you're dodging these potholes. Um, Someone described it on our text line as it feels like you're playing Frogger when you're driving around. (laughs) Um, But for those of you know, that aren't as lucky to manage to dodge the potholes, they've had to look into repairing their vehicles. So we heard from Ann McGregor. She's a Midtown resident and said she had a pothole at 51st Street and Forest Avenue. She ended up with a flat tire, as I'm Mm. sure we're all familiar with, had to pay $100 to have her car towed because she didn't have a jack to do it herself, had to pay for a new tire for $300. And she says she's on Social Security. So this was a huge debt in her budget. Will the city compensate people who have these issues? Okay. <laughs> that's that's a follow-up. <laughs> that's a follow-up. What can people do, if anything, to avoid damaging their vehicles when encountering these potholes? Yeah, so I looked at the AAA website to see what advice they had. So they recommended inspecting your tires to ensure they're properly inflated so that when you hit those potholes, they're not doing as much damage to mm. your suspension. Also looking at your suspension, slowing down to reduce the speed that you're hitting those potholes with. And a big one is actually looking out for puddles. Um, I talked to, I forget what the name of his uh, (laughs) company is, Uh, but one of the big issues about people right now hitting potholes is because of all that snow and the precipitation that we've had, the potholes are all filling up with water and that's making them harder to spot. You might just think, oh, that's a little puddle I'm hitting, but it's actually a pothole filled with water. Um, So keeping an eye out for those as well. But That makes them harder to dodge. Well, I'm finding when you're driving, you not only have to watch out for the cars around you, but keep your eyes on the road and look for those potholes. And it's more of a two-step, a driving two-step than I'm usually used to. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of multitasking, watching the road, watching the people around you. If you're me, you're also trying to record pothole noise when you're on the road. So maybe a three-step. That was KCUR's Jody Fortino and Steve Kraske. Ukrainian-Americans in Kansas are worried about whether the U.S. will send Ukraine more military aid. Among them is Wichita plastic surgeon Dr. Natalia Biskup, who left Ukraine as a child. She recently returned to operate on soldiers injured in battle. She spoke with Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service about the trip. When the war started, you always feel very helpless, especially when it's your country and you have family that live there. It really motivated me to want to go to help. So we had to fly to Poland, and then from there we chartered a bus to Ivano-Frankivsk, which is the town in Ukraine that we were operating. Typically that trip takes about five hours um, because of the border and things like that. The trip took us 11 hours. (laughs) So we had, prior to the trip, reviewed cases, come up with a tentative treatment plan. So we ended up operating on 32 patients altogether started in the morning at about 8.30 and typically didn't end until about 8 or 10 p.m. every day. 
All of these patients were soldiers. So there's lots of blast injuries to the face, lots of bullet injuries on top of bones being in the wrong place. There's bones missing. There's pieces of nose missing, pieces of lip missing. And so it was some of the most technically challenging and complex procedures I'd ever done and really ones that pushed me as a surgeon. All of these surgeries were all functional in nature. Lots of patients had compromise of breathing and things like that. But as you know, everything in plastic surgery, it's so external that even the reconstructive elements of it have like a cosmetic repercussion. And that in and of itself, just the appearance has tremendous repercussions for self-esteem and functioning. So that on top of the war and the PTSD and all the trauma they've experienced, that at least they can function normally in society actually seeing kind of the physical repercussions of the war. It was very, very hard. It made the trip, you know, very emotional, very difficult. As a physician, who my whole goal is to save life, make life better, it's just hard to see people do that to each other, um, and especially, you know, my, what I consider countrymen. There was one gentleman, he's about 28 years old, and prior to being enlisted in the war, was a lawyer, was very, you know, successful. And unfortunately, he was involved in a major, like, explosion. He ended up losing his vision in both eyes and also having an amputation in both arms. I mean, it's an injury that, unfortunately, at this point in medicine, we can't do a whole lot with. We were able to do some reconstruction to fit him with some ocular prostheses and improve some of the scarring on his face to hopefully improve his quality of life. I mean, it affected me very deeply. But, you know, I was so impressed by these soldiers because they're just so tough, so resilient. Their strength of spirit impressed me tremendously. My family, they are, they're okay. Somewhat. I mean, they have air raid sirens and bombings. My aunt, her house is actually located right across the street from a museum that was just recently completely destroyed by a missile. And so she's, I mean, very lucky. Um, but gosh, you know, what a close call. So it does make me worry about them and their safety. I think there's kind of a general fatigue with the news and the war in Ukraine. And now there's, you know, a lot of hesitation about providing further aid to Ukraine. So that really worries me. And I got the sense that it worried the people there. I think their biggest concern is being forgotten. I just, I guess my biggest hope is that people continue to remember Ukraine and continue to show up for people that need, need help. That was Dr. Natalia Biscup speaking with Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service. KCUR's Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. Find more at ksnewsservice.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadeen. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Madeline Fox and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Jody's reporting on potholes and Rose's story about the war in Ukraine, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more Missouri and Kansas news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. 
Oreo is the most famous cookie in the world, but few people remember the product that it blatantly ripped off, a creation of Jacob Luce in Kansas City. Not only was Oreo this copycat of Hydrox, it was also built on the back of the company that Jacob had founded himself. How Kansas City started the cookie wars. Hear the whole story on the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.